magnify him and glorify his blessed holy name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power today. And in fact, just right there on that, I just feel like that someone that's watching today just needs an extra touch, an extra uh, uh, blessing in the area of healing. And uh, perhaps it's pain, perhaps it's some chronic suffering or condition, but in the name of Jesus, I speak a word of healing uh, to, to whoever that is. Whoever you are, maybe could be a thousand people. I'm sure it is, but uh, be touched and be blessed and be healed today, and uh, receive from the suffering of Christ what He bore. We don't have to, and we thank you, Lord, that we cast all of our care on you and lift your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Turn your Bibles. I decided to teach a, or just was led to teach a a lesson today, a message, very gospel message on what does it mean to, what does it really mean, or what does it mean to really be saved? You can put all those words in different uh, order, and it means the same question. What does it mean to really be saved? Uh, it's amazing how the world looks at Christianity and how it looks at born-again people or those who say they're saved. Uh, I think that we don't have clear understanding on even what that means inside the church. Sometimes if people say we, what well, we have a term nominal, nominal Christian, means is perhaps somebody that's not saved. They could be saved, but they might not be really saved, really understanding what the transformation needs to be, what happens at the point of get of receiving Christ. Amen. What does it mean? And so uh oftentimes a person will answer a pollster or somebody that they're Christian. Well, that sometimes means I'm not Catholic. Sometimes it means uh, I'm not a Buddhist. And sometimes it just means that, well, well, when we marry them and bury them, we do it at a church. And so uh, instead of out in the cornfield. Now the young folks, they'd rather be out in the cornfield, I've noticed. They're all out there in the cornfield getting married instead of uh, in the church, but whatever, turns you on, praise the Lord. God forbid we have an opinion today in America. You have an opinion, you get your church burnt down, you know, so we don't have any opinions here, praise the Lord. We, we're, we're styrofoam with no brains and no opinions. Therefore, you can leave us alone, amen. But... uh uh at any rate, we just uh, think of those terms. And uh, I think we sometimes count some people being saved that aren't. Uh, not that we should condemn them or do any. There, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, either receiving condemnation or, or uh, putting it out there, amen, producing it. But at the same time, 
We want to make sure that folks that we do minister to or talk to, that they have a clear understanding of the gospel. What does it really mean to be saved? And for you, what does it mean to be saved? Uh, you know, sometimes folks get a funny attitude about church, that the church house is only for uh, folks that are all fixed up and everything's perfect. And uh, even sometimes folks in the church will get that attitude. Well, if so-and-so is going to attend, because I know they're living in sin, and if they're going to attend, I'm not coming back. And uh, and it's like, well, you know, if you're not careful, we end up with the message that the church is only for those who are walking the line. Well, who makes up the line? Well, we'd like to say the Word and the Holy Spirit, but sometimes it gets added to by the added tour club. And in most places, that's the case. And so we often judge others by how they sin differently than we do. And so in the sense of walking the line, you know, we all fail. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all make mistakes. We all deal with jealousy, envy. We all have to avoid offense and strife. Amen. We all have to make decisions daily. And moment by moment, don't we, to avoid wrong thinking, wrong feelings, out and out just wanting to sin because your flesh wants to. Like me, last Monday, I sat on a swing at the, at the beach and fell out of it. Now, see, this was my flesh wanting to have a thrill. And Scarlett and I sat on a double man swing, and the swing won. Praise the Lord. We fought the swing, and the swing won. And dumped us upside down onto the ground, and now I'm spending a week trying to relearn how to breathe. Praise the Lord. You see, every now and then you'll yield to the flesh, and you do something like sit on a swing. That could be a sin in old-time Pentecost. They didn't even allow people to have rocking chairs because it was too exciting for the flesh. That's in the church of God, I'm telling you. You talking tyrants. Dear God, help us. Like Brother Osborne said, who was from, he had his credentials with the Pentecostal Church of God, which was a smaller denomination out of Joplin, Missouri. Can anything good come out of Joplin, Missouri? Think about it. But uh, we love all you folks in Joplin today. God bless you. Glad you live there and not me. <laughs> anyway, uh, the edge of the abyss. But I'll tell you, you know, Brother Osborne, he made this great statement about, about uh, religion. He said, the way I grew up, and I grew up pretty much the same way, even though it was a few decades later, he said, breathing might be a sin if you enjoy it. You know, I mean, it got to the point that, uh, you know, should you, should, I mean, I've got a copy of a Church of God Minutes from uh, the 20s that's, that w- a question was raised on the General Assembly floor, should Church of God members chew gum? And they said, well, we won't add it to the rules, but, but it's, it's uh, frowned upon by the executive committee. So now you got to the place where, you know, God enjoys people with bad breath above 
the enjoyment of chewing gum. So, you know, thank God we've all come a long ways. Amen. And understanding righteousness. Thank God that, uh, cause I'll tell you, if, if, if anything I was a part of was that legalistic anymore, I, I couldn't be a part of it. I'd have to say, well, uh, we love y'all, but you know, knock yourself out. Now the thing about the rocking chair, do you want to know how that works? Your friend could have a rocking chair and you could go to their house and sit in it. And you, that's okay, but don't have one in your home. Well, it got that way originally when the, when radios came out. The same thing. Can't have radios of, of the devil. But you could go to your friend's house. They could have a radio and you could listen to music and things. Or the television was really bad. You could have a television. You can't have a television. But you can go to your friend's house that's got a television. Now, this is the way the Amish live. I'm telling you, I think they're the only ones that's pure and holy. Because they've just gotten rid of everything that could possibly be enjoyable, practically. And uh, call it call it uh, righteousness. You see, I always get off on this, don't I? But uh, But I'm a recovering Pentecostal. You know, from, I'm still in rehab. <laughs> had to go to, to grace camp to rehab from being Pentecostal. <laughs> Glory to God. You do know I'm kidding about a lot of that, but then I'm not. I am and I'm not. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. Well, let's see what the Bible says. Finally, he's got to a scripture. The bets, the money starts changing hands, you know. I'm, how long is it going to take him to get to the scripture? Second uh, Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, Second Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, so we're talking about salvation being in Christ. Now, salvation, let, let's stop there and just, we're going to continue. Salvation is greater than just confession of sins. Salvation is greater than confessing you are a sinner. Uh, and, and in need of a savior. Being saved, um, is being saved from what? Well, oftentimes all we got preached was being saved from hell. And judgment. How many know that's a good thing? To be saved from hell and judgment. But see, according to Romans 8, the Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we're all, we're also saved from condemnation. Woo! That's a good one. Aren't you glad you're not condemned? I said, aren't you glad you're not condemned? We're saved from trying in our own selves through merit and obedience even to earn our salvation. We're saved from that. Now, Peter preached that. The first mass crusade preached in the Bible was on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem in Acts. And they're coming down out of the upper room at the first Pentecostal conference on speaking in tongues and came down the stairs speaking in tongues and uh, 
declaring the wonderful works of God. Amen. After the fire on the head ceremony and the mighty rushing wind experience. Wow, what an experience up there. Can you imagine? They come down, their hair's on fire. First it's wind blown and then on fire. Praise the Lord. And they come down and they're hikimo shandying. Down the stairs, here they come. Shika, shika, praise the Lord. Some of them might have been twirling and dancing. What do you think? What an experience. Filled with the Holy Ghost. First group on planet Earth ever to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The children of Israel had not ever experienced that. They had seen the the fire come down and they had seen the priest knock down off you know, on the, on the platform of the tabernacle. They had seen the glory of God. Amen. And witnessed it with their eyes. But this group, this 120 in the upper room, they experienced it on the inside of them and on top of their head. <laughs> Whoa, glory to God. What a change. You could also say this was day one of, uh, in a way, day one of salvation, day one of, of, of the Holy Spirit, day one of ev- mass evangelism. Wow, what a, what an amazing, amazing time. So they come down out of there and here they are, you know, <laughs> in this amazing time. Uh, for the Jews, because it's the day of Pentecost, and says there's Jews there from all over the world, all over the world. This is a an international festival day. And they come down in the midst of that, and they grab the attention of everyone. So it had to be more than just uh, a little foreign language um, interpretation time. Which is what some groups want to say. But they were, they were speaking in, in all kinds of tongues. And some of them said, well, look, they're drunk. They've, they've hit the, the bar early. You know, the, it was, they, they got drunk before happy hour. There, it's, it's nine o'clock in the morning and, and, and they're drunk, you know. And he said, um, well, others said, well, no, it's not that. It's something else. You know, they didn't know what to think. But finally, thank the Lord, praise God, uh, Peter took the attention. And I don't know if he stood up on a wall or a high place or whatever, but he said, ye men of Israel. Now, see, again, the group that teaches Jews don't have to be saved. Peter didn't get the memo on day one of the church. Because why would he bother? And why didn't he tell them they're all okay with Abraham's covenant? For my dual covenant friends that I love dearly, but telling you, you know, Peter didn't get the memo is all I'm saying. This stuff you're believing. And so he, he, he gets up and he says, ye men of Israel. Do you think that includes a couple of Jews? He said, you men of Israel, hear these words. And then he began to proclaim Jesus Christ. And uh, 
at the end, and that's he just presented the gospel. He didn't even give an altar call. He would have failed, you know, Word of Faith Bible School instruction. You have to give an altar call every service. Well, he didn't. Not on the day one. He didn't even give an altar call. They didn't play just as I am, and they sang and came down out of the choir. No, he 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 uh, he just preached it and left it there. And it says that certain came forward, probably leadership type people, and said, what must we do now? It says they were cut in their hearts. So if performance is the, the, the road to salvation, wouldn't all of them been the ones doing, should have been doing the preaching? But instead it's this grace preacher saying, receive Christ. He said, repent. Repent of what? Smoking, drinking, and dancing? No, these people are the rule keepers. These people are the ones that Paul described himself as concerning the righteousness in the law, blameless. That's who they were because it says they were devout. These are committed Jews. Repent of what? Repent of your merit system to God and receive the grace of God through Christ. That was that was what repent there meant. Not well. I I need to repent. I had a dirty thought three days ago. That's not what he meant. He said you have to turn on turn from the direction you're heading and go a different direction. And it says three thousand of them got saved on that first day. What does it mean? Saved from what? Saved from the vain effort of getting to Christ through performance rather than rather than receiving by faith all right so we come we come then here to this um beautiful scriptures that if any man be in Christ i think the amplified says engrafted which is really good. So you're not just forgiven. You could get forgiveness of sins through the old covenant. But what you couldn't get was justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. You couldn't get that through that. Neither by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the precious blood of Christ. So we come... So we come to this time where we're not just for, it's not just our sins are forgiven, I'm on my way to heaven. You're not on your way to heaven just because your sins are forgiven. You're on your way to heaven because you're now in Christ. And that's why I think 98% of the church world is still very sin conscious, very Merit conscious. What are you doing for the Lord? Question. Instead of what has the Lord done for me? Amen. I hope somebody's getting something out of this. I feel like I'm out here with the uh, hot air balloon trying to pump the thing and get it off the ground. Amen. And, uh, the, the, I can't light the match. And then when you're afraid if you do, it'll blow up in your face. 
be the Hindenburg all over again. All right. Um, he's a, so what happens to you if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, that's why we use the term new birth or new creation. Because we're no longer what we were, but we're, and we're not just a shined up, detailed, spiffed up version of what we were, just cleaned the sin off. No, we've been transformed. The Bible tells us, amen. Let's go to our next, uh, Scripture there on the list. The Bible tells us that um, we, we've been literally transported out of one kingdom into another one. I'm trying to show you what you have in salvation today. You're not just forgiven and you're not living in mercy. You're not living in God's mercy. God's mercy was poured out when Christ, see, we should have been crucified. We should have been condemned. But God had mercy on us back. At, see, listen to this. Don't let your religion stop you from learning today something that's powerful that will help you. Don't let what you've been taught from the time you were in Sunday school prevent you from receiving something powerful. Because the church world tells us we're living in mercy. But mercy was poured out. We sing that song at Calvary. Mercy there was was great and grace was free. The mercy was on us. The punishment was on Christ. The mercy was poured out. And mercy opened the door for grace, God's gift of salvation, to be ours. We're not living in mercy like we're still condemned, but the, the court was merciful to us. No, it's it's not merciful to us based on pity or sorrow. It's merciful to us based on the judge was satisfied that the price was paid that was set by the judge. Do you see the difference? And so churchy stuff sounds so pretty and beautiful, but it's actually robbing us of authority. I get stirred up. Robbing us of authority of, yes, well, I, and we love to say that stuff, that gooey, gooey, you know, foamings of the mouth of, well, you know, I'm just living in God's mercy. It sounds so humble, but it's actually robs you of your authority. I'm not living in his mercy. I'm living in his favor. (laughs) There's a difference. His mercy was poured out for me. Thank God. And um, now if I miss it or make a mistake or whatever, it's not, well, it's just the mercy of God that you didn't get slapped down. It's not that. It's the grace of God that says, that's my son, that's my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. 
And the blood of Jesus, according to 1 John, continually cleanses us from all sin. We're being cleaned. There is a fountain filled with blood. A fountain is not just a a pitcher poured out once and it's empty and that's it. You know, a fountain continually flows, recirculates. Amen. There's a pump there. (laughs) And that pump is grace. And that grace pump keeps that fountain flowing. Amen. We used to sing deep and wide. There's a fountain flowing deep and wide. I didn't really appreciate that song as a Sunday school boy, but now I understand it. And it's a good song. There's a, it's a, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. And it's, and it's constantly cleansing. And I live, oh, this, if you can get over, I'm living in God's blessing. If you can get out of that, stop flapping your lips like a duck and get over into authority land and say, I am an heir of God, joint heir with Christ. I'm saved from that horrible other condition, powerless. Well, I don't make any claims to anything. I do. I claim sonship. See, it sounds so humble, doesn't it, to talk the other way? Am I speaking in Swahili and don't realize I'm in diverse kinds of tongues and nobody's understanding me? No, listen, how many know what I'm talking about? All that wishy-washy, well, you know, we're all sinners and we all just live under God's mercy. It sounds so humble, but it's, again, it's a robber of power and a robber of authority. Well, I don't make any claims to anything. Well, that's just because you're an idiot, apparently. I claim something. I claim sonship in Christ Jesus. I have favor with him. Well, now God resists the proud. Yeah, that's exactly right. And pride says it's all about me and what I've done. But real humility says, I was once a sinner. I was once lost. I was once blind. But praise God, through God's amazing grace, He has picked me up out of the dunghill and placed me on a solid rock. And I claim His blood, His name, His favor. He has picked me up and put me in the right place. And I walk in the same flavor of righteousness as God himself. I walk in the same holiness as Jesus himself. Well, who do you think you are? I'm just who God says I am. Go argue with him if you don't like it. Argue with me? I didn't write it. I didn't declare it. That's like the queen of England saying, I want you to come over to Buckingham Palace. I'm going to get out the sword, if she can still hold it. I don't know. She looks a little frail. But she says, I'm going to get out the sword and I'm going to dub you a knight and call you sir or somebody, you know. (laughs) And so you go over there and you wear your thing and give you a sash, you know. Says runner up. I don't know. Anyway, you get over there. 
and they get, she takes that sword and, you know, hopefully the blade, I heard the blade needs to be not towards the neck. The dull side towards the neck. Thank you. And, uh, but she takes that sword and, you know, I dub thee whatever and you get done being dubbed. And now according to royal decree, you are sir, whoever your name is, right? And you walk out and some friend comes up and goes, who do you think you are? Walking around like a sir. Says, well, I had nothing to do with me. Go talk to the queen. That was her decision. That's the way it is when we say I'm a son of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Well, who do you think you are? I don't know. Don't talk to me. Go talk to God. He's. This was his idea. Well, I don't think you should be bragging about it. I do. I'm bragging on God. See that? Any person is in Christ. He's a new creation. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has died. This is not just a cleansing of sin. Oh my God, can we get off of that? I mean, I've heard that my whole life. Cleanse of sin, cleanse of sin, 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 sin. It's a sin consciousness, a sin focus instead of Christ-focused. That's right. The sin got cleansed. Let's talk about Jesus now. I've been preaching this message now for probably, like, you know, I mean, portions of it, my whole ministry, but the revelation of it since 1998, 99. And you can't believe the persecution you'll get just from preaching this much of it. From word of faith people are not sure they like it. We've been in conferences where some of our friends who are, are, are more on the grace side, righteousness, they get up at a big meeting to preach grace and righteousness, and half the preacher section gets up and walks out. What are they afraid of? I'm going to ask some of my friends that don't like it. What are you afraid of? Well, we're afraid that the church won't be full and the folks won't come. Oh, well, good. COVID took care of that. Now you can get over it. <laughs> the thing you feared the most came upon you. <laughs> Jesus, help us. I'm of the opinion that when people get really born again, really saved, full of God, full of the Holy Spirit, and understand who they are in Christ, they'll come more to church. They'll give more to the work of God. They'll participate more. All right. Look at this. Behold, look. He says, look, look, look. The fresh and the new has come. Amen. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. But I'll tell you what, we're mercy and grace is what led us to sonship. The best books that I've read on grace, and some of them from the 20s, they've said, you know, faith, faith is not really, faith is not the destination. Grace is not the destination. But union with Christ, that's the destination. 
And that's where the power is. And that's why the devil fights that message so hard and doesn't want anybody to know about it. Unity with Christ. It, what, it's hard for our head to grab our head. We can't wrap our brain around it, that's for sure. You better set your brain aside and just go with your heart. Because your brain will talk, talk you out. How can I have unity with Christ when he's so perfect and I've got so many problems? <laughs> right? That's that's Because we know ourselves. We know our thought life. We know our motives and our intentions and our hurt feelings and our offenses and our jealousies. And we know all about all that. And we know if we know it, God knows it. We're thinking, and yet we're, we're invited to be united with Christ who's perfect. Let me tell you something about that. Here's the cool thing. Light always overpowers the darkness. So which, who's more powerful in the relationship? You or Jesus? I'll vote, I'll bet my, put my bets on Jesus. That his love and light will swallow up any stuff with me. I'll just stick to him. You know, Jesus is sticky. The Bible says he's a friend that sticketh closer than our brother. He sticketh. Like Daffy Duck suffering thuckathash. The sticky, the sticky. Jesus is sticky. Praise God. And Christianity is sticky business. Sticky. Well, that's some sticky business. You got that right. It's sticky. He sticks to you and you can't get off of, can't get him off of you. Hallelujah. Woo! What about when you say a bad word? He sticks closer than a brother. Well, what about when you think a dirty thought? He sticks closer than a brother. Well, what about when you don't pay your tithes? Well, that one, he, you're, you're screwed. No. He sticks closer. <laughs> now that's the unpardonable sin right there. He sticks closer than a brother, no matter what. Amen. All right. Let's go to John, back to John real quick. John three. You know, this is the story of uh, Nicodemus. We'll read through it quickly. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Uh, the same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Uh, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's There's churches in America and around the world who will not use the term born again. They say it's offensive to people. Once again, poor Jesus didn't get the memo. I wish Jesus and Peter and Paul would have gotten memos because they're preaching it all wrong. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Boy, that would get mothers on the march, wouldn't it? Against that practice. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Keep reading. Marvel not 
that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell whether it comes. Whether it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? This is the question today, still. Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? Knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do not know, and testify that we have seen. You receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, you know, the the brazen serpent made out of brass on a pole, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Praise God. For See, see when you're born as a natural human, uh, the, the day you're born, there's a shelf life. There's a, there's a, there's a, what do you call it? A expiration date. Now, I don't believe that it's all set for everybody. Please don't argue with me about that after the service. I don't care. Believe what you want. I'm just telling you the fact, right? You're not going to live on this earth in this body and be 300 years old. Some people look like they're 300 years old, but a new hairstyle and some, uh, uh, you know, a new color on the lips might help. But uh, <laughs> but in other words, this being born into this, you can't you can't say that this flesh body is going to have eternal life. But see, what Jesus is talking about is the spirit man. The eternal part of you. Hallelujah. Can you say praise God? So, so, so we, we're not talking about living forever in this life, but so eternal life is this life plus. All right. Keep going. God so loved the world. Why did he do it? Cause of love. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, say that includes me, believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Some of these preachers on TV need to get that. Because they're the moral police and tell everybody how to live. We're not the moral legislators. We're the proclaimers of good news. Yes. Tell people how to live. God sent his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Uh, okay, let's go to our, our next um, scripture there. Here we go. Now, this, we're going to end with this. I just want you to see this. Um, what has happened to us as a result of being saved? What really happened? It wasn't just 
even Jesus' blood applied, forgive sins, you're like a clean. I've even had youth pastors explain it this way, that it's like a, 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 a dry erase board and God takes his big eraser and erases all your sins. And now you got a fresh board and now you, you can add your new sins to that. And you have to take, and see, the first time's better because it's wholesale. But then the second time around, you got to keep track. And you got to first John 1 9 it and keep track and keep erasing. Your, your eraser of grace turns into the first John 1 9 eraser. And you got to erase each scripture as you, I mean, each sin as you go. But if that's all salvation is, you could have kind of gotten that type of, of mercy under the old covenant. But we're not just mercifully forgiven. We are justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. How do you, how do you achieve that? You can't. Only God can. Now look at this. Woo! Talking about God. Colossians 1.13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. So if we're saved, we're delivered from the power of darkness. Does it mean you're not in darkness sometimes or feel the darkness around you, but you've been delivered from it and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? That's what I want you to see. You've been translated. Beam me up, Scotty. How many remember that from Star Trek? Beam me up, Scotty. You, you, you're at a horrible place. Here comes the moon monster or whatever to get you. And, uh, and, 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 uh, aliens are shooting, you know, laser darts at you. And you're going, this is getting untenable. Beam me up, Scotty. This is what happened. We got beamed up out of that pit into the kingdom, uh, of that. Now look, see, this is, this is so good and the amplified. The Father has delivered and drawn us to Himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Go to the next verse. In whom we have our redemption through His blood which also means the forgiveness of our sins. Of course our sins are forgiven. But that, our sins are forgiven, but that's not the most powerful point of it. Sorry to tell you that. The most powerful point is we're in the kingdom. We're in the family. We have credentials. Members only club. And you walk into that members-only club, and it's like you're in the family. You can function in here. Safe. We sing that old song, um, safe from all harm in his sheltering arms. I'm living my by faith, you know? Amen. And we're safe from the storm, safe from all that's raging around us. My God, you know, you look at this year, it's nuts. We got political unrest, social unrest, 
the cities are on fire nightly. The nightly fire report, you know, comes on now. And, uh, and, and just craziness makes no sense. The, the demanders of whatever they want don't even know what they want. They're just mad. They're just mad and gonna take it out on whoever they can find to take it out on. That's just, it's anarchy. And terrorism, really. It's, it's domestic terrorism, if you ask me. See, from all harm safe in a sheltering arm. Hallelujah. Woo! That's where we are. I'm living by faith. Faith in what? The finished work. Thank you, Jesus. Though a thousand at one side, ten thousand at your right hand. The Holy Spirit is sharper than the world. And is smarter than the devil. And you're starting to drive down the street. Maybe you're in a city. You're driving through and you just have a check. Don't go that way. Go this way. Found out you avoided a riot or something. This is the where we have to live. You know, some of the people that went on some of the early trips uh, to distribute Bibles and the Word into the Soviet Union uh, back uh, when it was still intact, you had to be careful. But they had the underground church. <clears throat> now, my first wife, uh, Cherie, she was... Uh, on one of those trips, came back with a report and said that at the underground church, there were churches of, of, of where the people met and they had to hear the Holy Spirit tell them where to go meet. You couldn't announce it because you didn't know if you had an infiltrator. So see, you could have an infiltrator and then you announce next week we're going to be meeting at, you know, this little room or so-and-so's home. They'd go tell the KGB, they'd show up at the door and arrest the the homeowners and block the door or arrest a whole bunch of them. Send 300 people off in a bus to Siberia. Not kidding. That isn't a joke. That's not some weird story. That's the truth. And then there were people with fingers and toes missing from getting them snipped off in torture, you know, uh, especially the ministers, the pastors were really at, at, at risk, you know, for leading these things. But the Holy Spirit's smarter than the devil. So the folks would pray and the Lord would show them individually where the meeting was and what day it was going to be on and what time. And they'd all show up. How about that? Now we have Americans. Can I, can I vent a minute as pastor? I'm going to vent in my own church, praise the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, you know, you, you, in America, and this has been the complaint for 50 years here. In America, you know, we, we provide buildings with padded pews, central air conditioning, you know, hot water, everything you can imagine. You know, bathrooms with marble this thick on the countertops and whatever else. And folks, I don't know if I can make it. I'm telling you, if you, if you, you know, if they if they had come through a socialist nation or something like that and where we were persecuted for having a Bible, persecuted for praying, persecuting for, for uttering the name of Jesus, then maybe there would be a little bit more appreciation about the freedom we have. 
And it's that threat. This freedom we have to worship like this is that threat right now. It's it's being threatened. And the question is, America, how are we going to answer? Well, I don't know. You know, I gotta I gotta get up Monday morning and go to work. What do you think everybody else does? Okay, that's my vet. I'll shut up. Nobody wants that. That got voted out at at uh, church growth conferences years ago. I always failed the work the workbook because I'd get mad and write big stuff on the thing. And... <sighs> okay, let's look at blood of bulls and goats, Hebrews. Amen. Hebrews ten four. Ten four. That's from C uh, B radio. Ten four. Good buddy. Getting off at the Perlis truck stop in Tifton. All right. For it is not possible. Say not possible. All right. So you want to find impossible in the Bible. Here it is. You can't get redemption through any other means but the blood of Jesus. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Now, let's go to the next verse. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Keep rolling. Where in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. This is for all of my friends who adore the old covenant. Paul said, you that are enamored with the old covenant, he says, have you ever read what's in it? <laughs> Paul said that. We've got friends that are enamored with the, oh, look at the worshipers of the old covenant. My, how, what dedication. Yes. Well, here, Paul, we believe Paul, not prove, but believe. Best choice. In writing to the Hebrews, hmm, what if there's any Jews in that group? The Hebrews, they don't know. Who are they, really? He says to them, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. So they're all excited about they're opening the top of the temple mount to do worship, and they found the red heifers on a farm in Alabama, and you know, and just breathless about it, and so excited, and have conferences around it. And I'm thinking, so what? God takes no pleasure in it anyway. It's over. Get over it. Elvis has left the auditorium. Above what he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither hast pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then he said, Lo, lo and behold, I come to do thy will, O God. Jesus said, I have come to do the will of God. And take away that first covenant that he may establish.
the second one. Is that in the Bible or not? If you don't believe that, you need to stop preaching. Keep going. By the which will, we are sanctified only through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for everybody. Once for all time and once for all people. There's no exemptions. It doesn't say, see asterisk footnote below. Unless you're one of those covenant-keeping Jews that seem so dedicated at the wailing wall. It's not, it's not in there, folks. It's you go on these tours and everybody gets all snotty nosed about it. And it's like, I know this dedication is beautiful. There's something about human dedication to anything, but we could also take you to a Buddhist temple in Thailand and find the same dedication. We could take you to a Hindu temple in India and find the same dedication. Is it dedication that saves us? No, it's, it's Christ obedience. Preach, brother David. See, people say, let's pray that Pastor David is bold. That's a dangerous prayer. <laughs> My wife, I hear her pray, Lord, make the pastor bold. <laughs> and then, and then God answers. The prayer, and then it's like, well, maybe not that bold. <laughs> Pull back. <laughs> if you're going to drive on the Audubon, you better get a lead foot, because they'll run over you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you and your little 80 miles an hour. <laughs> Here comes a guy in a Maserati. <laughs> going 240 or some crazy thing. Run you off. Ah! I love this. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering. In other words, Jesus shut it down. Amen. Well, that's called replacement theology in some places, but I don't know what you do with the book of Hebrews. Maybe people believe it's flawed. I don't know, but I believe that this is close to, I know there's probably problems, all right? But I, for, for all that we know, that what we're told by scholars, that this book is as complete close to the original text as, as you can get. Including the King James Bible, even though it's in King James English. It's very close. They, I mean, they did a good job translating. With it, there's a few things that need fixing, but then then we know what those are and we can fix it. But praise the Lord, you know, for the most part, here it is, uh, the can this canon of Scripture. Can you imagine through the ages, through thousands of years, that this still remains intact, without all kinds of additions and eliminations? How is that possible? It's got to be a miracle. It's a miracle. Are you listening? Well, praise God. You know, somebody might write me and say, you're anti-Semitic. I am not anti-Semitic. I believe that I'm not anti-anybody. I'm not anti-Buddhist, anti-Hindu, anti, I'm not anti-anybody. I, uh, uh, anti-devil, maybe. Anti-Lucifer. But Jesus defeated him. 
And he's under our feet. Preach, pastor. I'm not anti-anybody. I'm just telling you Christ died for the whole world. I don't think that's mean. Is that a mean message? And yet we're told, again, by some folks, that's a mean message. You're being mean. No, it's not mean. It's not mean to not be a universalist. <laughs> Amen. You open, you make an exemption for one group, and you might as well make them for everybody because everybody's got some kind of connection to Abraham somewhere. Anyway, Paul said in Galatians that it was to a seed only, not plural seeds. When he talked about, well, through the, through the seeds of Abraham, the whole world's going to be blessed as if it's the nation of Israel. He didn't say that. It says seed one, refer, pull that up there. Galatians three, I'm on a roll. <laughs> Somebody stop me, you know. (laughs) Go to verse 14. Um, in the amplified Galatians 3, uh, to the end that through their receiving Christ, the blessing promised to Abraham might come on the Gentiles so that we through faith might all, might all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Go to the next verse. To speak, to speak in terms of human relations, brethren, if even a man makes a last will and testament, a merely human covenant, no one sets it aside or makes it void or adds to it once it's been drawn up and signed, ratified, confirmed. Keep reading. Now the promises, the covenants, look at this. Agreements were decreed and made to Abraham and his capital S seed, his offspring, his heir. He, God, does not say, and to seeds, descendants, and heirs. You cannot prove this through genealogical charts and exempt the whole nation from salvation. Why would you want to anyway? Isn't it wonderful to be saved? And it's being treated like it's some kind of curse putting on people. I gotta stop going to conferences. I pretty much have. But, and to your seed, your descendant, your heir, obviously referring to one individual who is none other than Christ the Messiah. Could it be more plain? Praise God. Isn't that beautiful? So that means we can go out into the world. God does not complicate it. Now, when you preach to this group, don't say that. And when you preach to this group, make sure you say this. And when you preach to this group, don't use that scripture. No. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the same package of information that will touch the heart of every human being on the planet. And all you have to know is one story. One story! And you can go out there and change the world. Can you say amen? You know, if you're watching today, and we always assume everybody saved would be watching, but if you're watching today and you're not a believer, 
You know, all you have to do is say, I accept Jesus Christ today as my personal Lord and Savior. I open my heart. I thank you, Lord, for coming in. And I receive your redemption through your blood and through your grace. And I thank you that by my receiving that, I ratify what you've already done for me, that my sins are forgiven, my my unrighteousness is washed away, and I receive Christ today as my Lord and Savior. Amen. And uh, I'll tell you, and I believe God raised him from the dead, and he lives today and lives in my heart. You just say a few things like that, bring it in. You can say it your way if you want. Don't have to, it's not like verbatim. You don't have to get the, the buy the book and get the chart and, you know, you know, find out, you know, where Methuselah was. You can actually just say that from your heart and accept the Lord. Say, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Amen. And you'll, you'll see the difference. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lift our hands and praise him. Thank you, Lord, that through salvation we have healing today. We have deliverance. We thank you, Lord, that every, that you heal everyone everywhere they hurt. In the name of Jesus. Amen.